Hey, Marcella. Hey, Shannon. So, you know, what's really cool is that this is our fourth episode and I cannot believe that people actually are listening to us. Me neither. And you know what? My mom now knows what a podcast is and she actually shared it on her Facebook page. So look at us. Got your mom learning about a podcast. It's great. (laughs) I didn't tell you one thing Yidi said was that it's too long. I was like, it's 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It's too long. Yes. How long did she want it to be? I feel like five minutes probably, but that's not going to happen. That's not that's not the kind of podcast we have. Did you look at her? I did. I looked at her crazy. She's like, it sounds good, but it's a little long. <laughs> yeah. So Marcella's mom, everybody. It sounds good, but the podcast is a little long. Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f*** are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. So Marcella, can you tell us what's coming up on the show? So I'm really excited that we get to interview one of my oldest friends. He is going to talk to us about his experiences with landscaping and gardening. And I don't think I told you this before, but prior to this episode, I had no idea how interested he was in gardening and landscaping. I don't think you'll ever told me before this episode how many friends you have or that you have friends. (laughs) Okay, let's start the show. So I told Shannon that I wanted to start by talking about how we know each other. So, <laughs> Tim so and I-, I mean, we, we have to go back to the beginning, right? For the bus? Yeah. <laughs> the story involves a bus. I love it. It, oh, yeah. it involves a bus, it uh, involves a school a bus. bus. Yeah. And I don't remember this part, but Marcel loves to tell this part about uh, what Tina's used to make me say about you, but I don't recall that You can't that say part, people's but... names? Now we, gotta, now we gotta, like, X out that name. Anyway, <laughs> I had heard a rumor that somebody that's on this podcast had called me a nerd, I think is what it was. It was. It was nerd, yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, and so, like, I didn't like Tim for the longest. I had, like, this beef with Tim for the longest Fair. time. But then we became really good friends back in middle school, through high school, through college, through relationships through breakups through a really long time so we talk a lot on this show about companion plants and how like there are plants that you plant with with plants to help them grow and to help them like be healthy and help them be in a good place in their environment and tim has definitely been a companion plant throughout my life so i am so excited to have him on the show so tim i will say you know how weird marcella is and so the fact that she was so upset because somebody called her a nerd and i have heard people call her worse than that so (laughs) I can't believe it. (laughs) I was in middle school. Okay. (laughs) And so excited to talk to you about your experiences with gardening. Can you start by telling us where your journey began as a gardener? Yeah, I think it's definitely when I moved out of my magnitude of apartments in my early 20s and finally got into a house and uh, really saw how little 
was done with the house, the yard, the backyard, the front. And I just like all my years of watching HGTV is led up to this. And we're going to uh, really change some things around. And I, I really like what I did with that first house I was at. Uh, it really was a muddy, disgusting patching yard, not a single plant or flower anywhere. And I go back there now and the tree that I planted the first year I was there goes over the house. Palm tree that I was there is probably you know, close to 10 feet now. It's just crazy how much different it was from when we first moved there into what it looks like now. It's kind of just been a uh, long journey, but definitely something that I've really got into and really want to continue doing as we get to different places in our lives and different houses and different places. And just what else can you do more to make it even better and better? Yeah, that's awesome that you, um, a lot of this uh, was, uh, you know, you started your journey with, you know, I have a dream and I have watched HGTV and now I'm prepared <laughs> to go out and tackle that dream, Tim. So yeah. I love that. So you talked about a little bit the first house that you were in, and I assume you're in a different house now. Are you still in the same planting zone? Like what hardiness zone did you start in? And what hardiness zone are you in now? Yeah, so definitely we're still in the same city, Virginia Beach. Um, uh, we're in 8A, I believe. So it does offer some challenges, but it does also give me a lot of leeway because we don't get very cold here. We do get a lot of sun, a lot of hot sun. So it does make it difficult to grow some of the plants and flowers that require like a little more or less shade, a little less heat. Fortunately, the place around now, the whole front yard gets direct sun from 11 a.m. in the morning to 8 o'clock at night when the sun goes down. So it makes it very difficult to grow things out front. But it does also let me to have things that last the winter too. So we have a palm tree out front, although it did get very, very cold here last week. And I'm not sure it survived the single digit temperatures, but. Have usually, you checked on it? I have, I have checked oh, okay. on it. it. It's still alive. The fronds are not so great. There's a couple new ones up there. So even, even the ferns I had underneath it, uh, they're supposed to be good for the zone. And I think they, they made the, the freeze. So I covered them up and tried to where I could to keep them going, but I don't I don't know. We're gonna see what happens in the spring. Maybe it'll kick back, but right now it looks very, very sad out <laughs> front. <laughs> I think that a lot of gardeners, Tim, um, all across kind of the US right now are dealing with the same thing. Like I'm on a um here in uh central Texas and people there's been a lot of sadness because it got yeah. really, really cold a week ago. And so everybody was outside. I mean, we had people doing things like putting sleeping bags on their, you know, tropical plants, people wrapping it up. I put mine inside of a cardboard box and I stuffed it with leaves. So I haven't had been brave enough to look at it. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so I am rooting for your trees out front. Thank you. Thank you. I am too. I would, I would not like to have to replace it, especially because like palms take forever to grow and you just yeah. have to start back over from, from square one. So I'd like to, you know, get a year in the and its growth and keep it going. So we'll see. I have somewhat of an idea of what terrain you're dealing with, because obviously we grew up in the same place. But I guess for our listeners, can you talk a little bit about the terrain environment that you live in? And how does that influence your approach to gardening? Uh, clay, so much clay. Uh, it really, before I even get going with anything, it's how much clay to be get out of the yard. I've had to rent little things to go into your driveway just to get all the clay out. Like if I'm doing a big landscaping out front mm -hmm. and then it's just filling back in with soil because like that clay is so unforgiving. It doesn't drain. The water sits there. So if you have plants that need to be in nice drainable soil, they're not going to be happy there. They're not going to do well. So I usually always just start with getting out as much clay as I possibly can. And then, you know, filling that back in with soil that some of the drains really well, gives not much nutrients because that clay is unforgiving. 
Hmm. I didn't think about that, Tim, kind of like clay and how that would work. Because people say that the ground here is also clay, but I don't know. I've never really dug in the ground to plant anything. I usually do raised beds or containers. But yeah, so okay. how much, like what percentage of your garden, which you said that you typically have to take out the clay and then refill with some sort of soil? Like what percentage of your garden? Honestly, it's if I'm digging more than a foot down, it's it's the whole thing. It's all like a sandy clay mix. You get the red clay when you get down far enough, but on top of it, it's more of that gray, dirty, sandy kind of clay. But if you're going more than a foot down in the ground, you're going to be having to refill them with soil. It's almost every time. So you talked about landscaping. You mentioned that to us, that you really enjoy landscapes and landscaping. And so let me tell you, my experience with landscaping and landscapes is I played The Sims 4, and that is the extent of my experience with landscapes. I build them, and I don't even know if they're good. They're not. They're bad landscapes. And so I try to imagine if I actually tried to put a real landscape together, what that would be like. So <laughs> when you're looking at a place, how do you kind of, you know, decide what where to start and what to do? And then can you talk about like define kind of what landscaping is for our listeners, please? So the way I interpret landscaping is you're, you're looking at what land is in front of you or what are you working with and you're trying to just mold it into something that's in your head you're just trying to get that out onto the ground if you're an artist it's like painting a picture almost you know you look at the ground you look at what you got and he's like how can i change this nothingness into this masterpiece that i had designed in my head i like to start with the grass i like to have a nice full grass full lawn i know it's not great for the environment but i have not transitioned over to some of the more environmentally friendly ideas but I will die on the hill that I like a nice clean cut green, green grass lawn. And then from there, I'm a big believer in mulch. So like, I like to have like some sort of like barrier or like something that will stop where the grass grows. And then you're moving into like your, your garden beds. Now this past summer, actually with the house we're at right now, we uh, took some cedar woods, we stained them, put them in the ground. So now there's a cedar row of wood in between the lawn and where the, the mulch lives. And then that's where like all the plants are at we have right now, the palms and then a few other um, bulbs we put in the ground this past summer. So my fiance gets frustrated because uh, we go to Home Depot or Lowe's together and I'm like, okay, this is what I want to do. It's in my head. And she's like, not in my head. So I have to like just start picking things off the shelf. And then <laughs> this is what we're doing. It doesn't make sense to anybody but me. But once we get it out on the ground, it's there. Then it does make sense. So it is uh, kind of frustrating sometimes, but she puts up with it. So Do you draw it out? Do you draw it out first? I do not draw it out. Okay. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe that would be a little more buy-in from her. Yeah, um, bring her along on the journey. <laughs> right now, it's just like this is this is where to go. This is in my head. And this is where we're going with, and uh, just trust me. But maybe maybe the drawing out might be a little more uh, buy-in from her and a little more trust. So, <laughs> no, Marcella, I love that question because I was actually thinking about that prior to this podcast. Like, what if I design my dream landscape in The Sims Four <laughs> and then show it to someone, and then they can help me actually put this thing together? There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's an idea. Because how do you remember what to get if you don't draw well, it out? I've got a weird brain, you know, like I'm not you very do. good at math or, that's you know, true. anything that's important, but things that don't matter, I'm, I'm pretty good at. <laughs> and uh, that's one of them. So gotcha. So one of our other questions is, and you kind of started talking about this, but why is growing grass so hard? And is there, are there other options? <laughs> yeah, I, grass is hard. I've, I'll be honest, like I full, hasn't fully mastered it yet. There's so much science behind it. And like talking to some of like the, uh, the lawn companies out here is the amount of science and like biology that goes through, goes, go, it just, it just wasn't mine. Like, uh, depending on like what kind of dirt you have, we'll just say what kind of grass can grow there, what seeds going to work, where the sun's going to be reflected on your lawn. It's just, there's just so many variables. And unless you have 
all those variables, it's hard to get started. And it, it really also depends on how good of a shape the lawn's in. So like both houses that I've been in now, the lawn was in not good shape when we took over. And honestly, even the first house I was at, the lawn's still not 100%. Like it looks really a lot better than it was when we first got there, but uh, it's still not great because mm-hmm. once you get weeds, they just grow and grow and grow and you don't want to overkill with pesticides. And with here, it's, it's kind of frustrating too because like it gets so hot in the summer and then like it doesn't get super cold in the winter, but that super hot seed that you plant for the summer to survive the summer dies in the winter and then you just have the seed for the winter that's designed to for the cooler temperatures but then when you get to the summer that seed dies because it's too hot so mm. kind of have to like mix them together and it's it's just it's, it's a horrible formula but yeah <laughs> I, I've, I've heard some people do like ground cl- uh, covers like clover or like creeping uh, plants uh, i guess perennials too i've seen like just which perennials would be good too because it's good for the bees early in the spring when they're looking for energy and not everything's bloomed yet they're already there the bees have something to pollinate with because a lot of the bees do die early in the spring because everyone has these nice green polished lawns that offer no energy at all to them because they don't flower. Mm-hmm. So I've seen that happens in some yawns before and those are, those are pretty good, but I have not, I guess, ventured into that yet because I will die on the hill of, I like my green grass lawn. <laughs> That's funny. And there's different types of grass too, right? Like yeah. Yeah, like... d- different grass, uh, different seeds. Um, okay. You got stuff that grows good in the south, stuff that grows good in the in the north. You know, shady kind of grass, either full sun grass. It's there's just there's just it's an endless amount. The science behind it is now just like they, there's just so many different seeds and and strands now that if you have a part of the country, the part of the world you live in, you're trying to grow grass. There's probably a seed developed specifically for that, and it's just just I guess years of there goes the 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 sciencey part of it, just developing and testing out to see what works best. And um, yeah, it's it's a lot. I wish I knew more about it because listening to some of these guys that come out and talk to me, wow, science that goes into it just it's insane. Yeah. A lot of trial and error, it sounds like, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. You oh, got yeah. a lot to try a lot of different things. And, and I think the fact that there's math and science, I don't know if I would ever be able to get past <laughs> the math and science part. Yeah. <laughs> I became a but social worker. So. Not much math and science. No, that makes sense. So, so can you talk a little bit, Tim, about like it seems like you have a pretty like a lot of cool stuff happening in your yard. What's kind of the most ambitious landscaping project you've ever embarked on thus thus far? Ooh, this far probably going to be my my old house. I was at I built up a nice little spot with the uh, the palm tree. I had it in the front of the house originally, and I transplanted it to the backyard. And I wasn't sure it was going to survive the transplant because it had been there for like a year or two, but it just wasn't getting enough sun up front to really grow. It only made two or three inches over the first like two years I had it up front and then once I moved to the back after that summer like I think just shot up it was like I think after that first that third summer up in the backyard it was two feet from what we planted it with so it really just shot up and we kind of just built around there but I was nervous because like it was my first palm and I know like how temperamental they are and I was like if I think it's out of the ground is it going to survive the backyard trip and put it back on the ground and it did and it's thriving it's looking great so I, I guess like as far as uh, the most adventurous, I think that was probably the most risky I've done mm-hmm. because I wasn't really sure I was going to survive that that transplant. So I love the way you talk about this palm tree. It's so lovingly. It's like he it's like he he must have a name or it must have a name. Does it have a name? It, it doesn't have a name, but I, I joke my fiance. I'm like, that's my first kid. Uh, that's <laughs> I, I, will die. I will die for that tree. You know, it's like that sometimes, especially when you're gardening, like you just love them so much. And, you know, me and Marcella have talked about it before, but it's like, you know, you have to go out every day and you get so invested into looking at these trees and these plants. It's like you knew something was not ha- something was not right. You know, it's like with a pet or a child, you know, something's not right. And you have to yep. take that gamble and make 
make a decision? Am I going to move it? What's going to happen? And then you like are up at night worrying about this little palm tree. <laughs> so I understand that. And I just have to say, like, these are not qualities in Tim that I ever saw in our friendship. Caringness <laughs> is coming out in these plants, but not with his friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So in addition to landscaping, there are um, other things that you grow and do in your in your garden. So what foods do you grow in your garden? What veggies and fruits? Yeah, we haven't done a whole lot of fruits. and Actually, we haven't done any fruits yet, but uh, we did try some vegetables and herbs this summer. Um, we both love Italian food, so fresh basil and tomatoes were a must, and it went so well. Uh, oh, tomatoes came out so good. The basil, like you can get beers in the store and they say it's fresh or it's organic and whatever, but coming off the vine, like off that plant out front and going to the stove. And then it's just, it's a whole other thing that it's so fragrant. It's just, it's amazing. So definitely going to keep that going. We might do a couple of things uh, this summer we're going to try strawberries. I just don't know where we're going to put them because they do require a lot of uh, space. Mm. Um, they're pretty invasive. So like once you put them in the ground, like if there's anything else is in that plant or in that box or in the ground, like they're going to kind of like bully them out of the way. So I, I don't know if we're going to have enough space to do to, uh, strawberries, but I'd like to because I love strawberries. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if we can do something like that. But yeah, I was first first time doing any type of uh, vegetables or any uh, herbs and glad we did because they save a ton of money because basil is expensive in the store. Yeah. Absolutely. Any a lot of herbs are like so expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And so, um, for the vegetables that you're growing, that you um are growing, do you have to also till the ground because you talked about the clay and the in that area, or do you put them in a raised bed, or do you put them in pots? Yeah, we put them in a raised bed. There's a lot of squirrels here, and and unfortunately rats and mice and all other things. So we want to kind of put them in a raised bed and cover it so that they would be kind of undisturbed. Uh, from some of the wildlife out here. I, I built this little bed it's out front of our porch. It's got the basil and the tomatoes in it right now. I might try and do a smaller one. Like, like I said, the summer for strawberries, we'll see how it goes. We just don't kind of run a room out front for it because the backyard does not get any sun at all, unfortunately. So everything does have to go up front. But uh, yeah, we definitely went with the, the raised bed to see if that would kind of be easier than having to like start in the ground somewhere and then worry about it getting stepped on by either people walking up or walking by or whatever. So yeah, I think that stra- you mentioned strawberries. And so um, in Central Texas, they actually grow strawberries here. They have like a big strawberry festival. And I am so jealous because I have never, I think, no, that's not true. I think I've gotten three strawberries. So I don't know what the <laughs> magic I don't know what the magic is. Although one year, one year I did have strawberries growing on the plant and my kids left the side gate open and the deer came in and they had had a whole strawberry treat. So they got to eat the strawberries, but yeah, strawberries are tricky. I don't know why. I think maybe I just haven't cracked the code on what I'm doing with strawberries. So, you know, we, we shall see. Before I got on today, my sister also told me, she was like, somebody gave me a basket of plants. She was like, I was going to give it to our parents, but she's like, I think you should take it because of this podcast and that way you can learn. And, and one of the plants, I guess, is strawberries. So maybe nice. the three of us can just like take this on together and yeah. find out. We, we could do like a, like a try parenting thing here. Yes. <laughs> and so, and so Marcella, I know the listeners cannot see your face, but I just want you to describe the face that you made when she would try to gift you these plants. Like, was I'm... it joy or was it fear? Was your eye twitching? Cause I imagine it was all three. <laughs> I was a combination of all of the above. I was like, ah, okay, yeah. Because 
the reaction that everybody had when I was saying that I was coming, I was doing this show was, but you don't garden, you kill everything that you try to grow. And I was like, yes, but I'm trying to learn, you know? So, but yeah, it was, it was like terror as well as excitement, (laughs) (laughs) all of the above. (laughs) Hi there. Seed in the shade here with some interesting facts about palms. As you probably know, you can tell the age of a tree by counting the rings from the centermost ring outward, unless that tree is a palm. These rings are called cambium in the scientific world. Palm trees are incapable of producing cambium. If you looked at a cross-section of a palm tree trunk, you would find circular vessels throughout. These are vascular tissues called xylem and phloem, and they allow the tree to thicken up its trunk until it reaches the maximum diameter. Once the tree has reached its max trunk size, the process stops. Through this biological process, palm trunks can remain narrow and sturdy to support the weight of the tree's fronds and fruit. And that's why you have to climb so high to get your coconuts. And so, Tim, you talked a little bit about the challenges that you have. Where you are, you have not great soil that you have to amend pretty heavily. You got the squirrels, you got the issues with, you know, having too much sun, maybe in one spot, not enough sun in the other spot. But what are some of the joys? What are some of the things that you just love about being out in your garden, despite the challenges? Well, it's got to be the the aesthetic of it all. I love the tropical vibe. We have this little uh, tiki guy from uh, Lowe's this summer and his eyes glow at night because the solar charges all day and when you're just looking out like especially in the summer when it doesn't get like uh, dark at four o'clock in the afternoon but when that sun starts to go down to the summer and like the lights turn on and like the palms right behind it and all the tropical bulbs are coming up from the ground like that's the best part going to work going through the the sidewalk to get to my truck in the morning and just seeing like oh there's the palm there's there's my flowers there's my tiki guy I, I, that's the best part. And I like to get in a competition that nobody is competing in but me with the neighbors. Um, <laughs> who has the best front of the house? Uh, they don't know it, but I'm winning. So <laughs> if you're Tim's neighbor, you heard him. Challenge yeah. is on. It's on. The up. Yes, the gauntlet has been thrown. You also <laughs> talk. You talked a little bit also about the herbs that you're growing in your yard, but you did mention flowers. What what kind of flowers do you got going out there? We get a hibiscus every year because they don't last, unfortunately, the winter here. And they are toxic and we have dogs, so we can't bring them inside because my dog is, is a menace and she will eat it. So to avoid uh, the multiple vet trips during the winter, we uh, have to get a new one every spring. But we, so we get one of those. It's kind of like a tradition. We get a biscuits first. And we had multiple dollies out there, some different Asiatic gullies. So, like, if, if you can't kind of figure out my vibe, it's the tropical vibe. Just it looks it looked really, really good this summer. I don't know what we're going to do this summer. I want to get the other side of the uh, the front of the house done because we've got, like, a water feature that we put in. I just haven't figured out what we're going to do yet. So we're going to have to do some research because, like, it is unfortunate. A lot of the cool-looking, beautiful tropical flowers, they don't last the winter. So, so we got to kind of find, find even ground with a nice tropical-looking kind of plant that will survive the winter here so that we're not just continually just wasting plants so i was just gonna say it's really interesting you talk about the tropical vibe because your family's originally from chicago right yes <laughs> yes like the complete we are originally from chicago and um yeah i don't know like i'm not a i'm not a huge beach person either like i don't really enjoy going to the beach it's just it's hot and sandy and like it's just not for me but like i like kind of having the faux beach at the house oh. you know the, <laughs> there's no sand there's no ocean but that. like 
we got the flowers we got the you know the, got some tiki's and um, maybe we have a mixed drink uh, front you know but yeah not not a big beach ocean guy no and i really love asking people kind of you know what they most enjoy about being in their garden and kind of you know it lends to what people grow and how they grow things and it seems like you know the flowers that you grow definitely go with along with the vibe that you're trying to portray in the garden you know whereas like on, on my side i only grow flowers if they're beneficial to a vegetable right mm -hmm. so if they're just beautiful you can't just be beautiful in my yard. You have to be doing a job. You got you to gotta earn your keep here. You got to earn your keep. Exactly. So what is a gardening fail so big of yours that almost caused you to, to give up? I don't know about give up. Uh, I'm pretty resilient. I haven't had anything bad, knock on wood, that bad happening. But if this palm that we planted out front this summer dies... I'm going to be really, really upset <laughs> because uh, <laughs> like I, I did my research, like it, it's, it's good for this area. Like it survives the winter. We wrapped it. And yeah, I don't know what else really we could have done to, to stop it, which is unfortunate that it got to, you know, five degrees for three or four nights in a row here. Uh, Cause we don't ever get that. Like it gets cold, but it doesn't get that cold. I don't know if that's just going to be the norm going forward. Like if it's just going to be super hot summers in the summer and then the, random couple super cold winter nights up until now like it really hasn't gotten that cold for that long a time out here that to my knowledge at least so yeah i think that's gonna definitely take the cake is my my biggest fail if that thing if that thing dies because i'm gonna be real, real sad sorry i'm laughing but i'm not laughing at you i'm just <laughs> i'm laughing out of concern i know that sounds <laughs> this is why tim called you a nerd in middle school because you're laughing <laughs> Yeah. Marcella. Now, Tim, it's interesting that you mentioned that too, because I think that's kind of like a thing that, you know, is on so many gardeners' minds and even like home gardeners, all but big producers is, you know, this weather has been so mm -hmm. strange and, you know, all the differences with climate change and then water shortages, drought. It's very difficult to tell what to do in your garden because everything's so off the charts different than it has been yeah. um, in the past. And so it's going to be interesting going forward with how we're going to, you know, kind of adapt to this new norm that we're in. It's like you plant your little baby and, and you know, he's supposed to be able to live in that area. And then the weather of Mother Nature is like, nope, I'm killing everything. You know, you don't really know how to preemptively get, get ahead of that kind of stuff in your garden. So, no, that's really... Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, and I can't, I can't imagine like the, <laughs> the farmers, the people who do this for a living, I'm doing this for a hobby out of love, out of uh, something I'm interested in, but people's livelihood, farmers that plant what they can plant because they've grown it for years and decades. And then, you know, weather patterns change and climate change happens and you can't grow that anymore. What do you do? I, I couldn't even imagine having to rely for my livelihood on something that is just so unknown. We talked a little bit about like what would be a gardening fail or what would be something that would make you upset and cry, which it sounds like it's that palm tree out front. What is yeah. the biggest, what is a big success that you've had? And I think I know what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask, <laughs> what is your biggest gardening success to this date? Yeah, I, I think it was uh, it was pretty obvious, but uh, we're going to go back to my firstborn. Moving it from that front yard to the backyard, it's like going from JV to varsity. That thing, it looked <laughs> cool up front, but talk about like glow-ups from middle school to, you know, as an adult. Like, it, I really had a glow-up <laughs> in, in that one summer after that couple years of being out front, so. I love that. We should call him glow-up. Or, you know, Me? even better, we should get a picture of him, and then we should ask our listeners based on what they think that his name should be. Because I feel like he means so much to you that it needs a name, definitely. Yeah. It also makes me think of Tim's glow up from middle school to now. Was there a glow up? Well, you used to have long hair. You used I, to I have did. You're right. And then grew up out of that. I grew up out of it. Put it on your beard instead of on your head. So. <laughs> okay. Is your gardening style more guns and roses? 
Bon Jovi or Van Halen? It's, it's definitely Guns N' Roses. Imagine Jurassic Park when they first go into the park and you have all the different plants and just jungle look. Like that's kind of what I go for out front. <laughs> just as much green and chaos as you can think of. Perfect. Love that answer. My next question, I think you kind of answered it, but I want to hear your answer because it's a funny question. So <laughs> your plants, if we went outside and surveyed them and asked them and we said plants, can you please describe your experience in this garden? Would it be more welcome to the jungle or want it dead or alive? Oh, well, I don't know. If you ask them now, it might be uh, <laughs> it might be uh, want it dead or alive. But if, you, if we talked to them about a month or two ago, it's uh, it's going to be welcome to the jungle. But uh, maybe we give them a couple more months to, to survey them and then we'll get back to see how they're doing. Perfect. Perfect. So, of course, you have a dog. How does having a dog affect your gardening and your landscaping process? What are some things you've had to consider? So we got two dogs. We got my dog and the fiance's dog. Luckily, my dog goes out in the backyard. And in the backyard, we have done absolutely nothing because we have more pine trees that have been there for decades. So we get no sun, no cover, needles drop, hard to grow anything back there. So that's kind of like her little area to tear up. But her dog goes out front and she kind of sticks to the grass doesn't really go in the garden beds where if it was my dog she would be all in the mulch in the garden beds sniffing everything peeing and pooping wherever she wanted thankfully her dog daisy is a lot more mannered and sticks to the grass so as far as like struggles it's really just trying to keep her from sticking in one spot so you have daisy the well-mannered dog and then you have the <laughs> other dog what's what's his or her name zoe my uh my hellhound i love her already just because you described <laughs> her as a hellhound her her nickname is lucy for lucifer so <laughs> Oh, what kind of what kind of dog is she? Uh, mine is a black lab, and my fiance's is a golden doodle. So just kind of picture the shenanigans of those two types of dogs. It's funny because I'm in a couple of gardening groups, and people the, the things they talk about the animals, their animals in their yard. It's so funny. People have some issues with dogs, but it seems like people have the most issues with cats. Mm. Cats seem to be a little bit of a menace yeah. in the, in the garden. I think that's just because cats are just like whatevs. You know, every spot is their spot. <laughs> They're in their own program. To any cat lovers out there, like, don't be offended. But yeah, cat, I'm definitely dogs all the way. Team dogs, definitely. <laughs> Team dog all the way. Going back to the landscaping, I know that's really a, a big love of yours. What is the craziest landscaping job you've ever seen? And you were like, man, if I could replicate something like that, it would be Ooh. this. Have you guys ever gone to the the home shows some of those homes that they they mock up and like they do landscaping like i mean these are professionals that do this for a living and have endless amounts of money so like i kind of have to bring myself down a notch like hey this isn't going to be feasible because you don't have any of those things but yeah i mean some of those houses i mean ponds with koi in them <laughs> or these model trains that go through the, the garden bed through tunnels and there's waterfalls and perfect pristine flowers and plants it's 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 humbling to go there because you look at your yard and you're like this is good. This is, this looks great. And then you go there and it's like, oh man, I really <laughs> suck. <laughs> so, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like it's cool to go look at those things. But it's like, man, I really wish I could do this. I just don't have the, the time or money or expertise to do it. But some of those professionally done lawns and homes are just, they're just insane. I love to go to those places where they have like a big maze built out of, you know, the hedges or they do this giant sculptures with plants and trees. It's just like amazing. Like Disney World. I've never been to Disney World, but I'm going like to say, yes, like Marcella said, like Disney World. But you yeah. know what? If if I could figure out how to landscape a big giant, like, you know, like hedge into something, I would definitely shape it like Marcella because I love her so much. I'm so honored. I was going to say, and I would maybe do one in your shape, maybe probably the shape of, of Mickey Mouse because I love how Disney's look. <laughs> I know you love Mickey Mouse more than me. It's fine. <laughs> 
you you talk about how these like home shows can be super humbling, but you started with watching HGTV, so I can't imagine yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like what is a masochist? Just love watching that stuff and just seeing all these great homes and like, oh, I can do this, and then really getting out there and like, oh no, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like just kidding. The whole time you've been talking, I'm kind of like wondering, do you have a muse or inspiration for your gardening and for your landscaping? Who or what inspires you? Um, let's see. So I, I think that's probably going to be my dad because he did all the landscaping, the gardening, the yard work when we were younger. When I got old enough, I would cut the lawn. I would do it not right every time. But, uh, and it's funny, like you, you you go through these things as a kid, like it's just a lawn, but whatever. When you're older and you're doing it and like, I don't let my fiance cut the lawn. When, I'm when, sure when she doesn't in, like that. I, oh no, she, yeah, she loves it. She's, 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 she's loves it and like she had this this mower the the old school blade mower that turny thing i was like no we're good we're gonna get everyone because i'm like if i'm gonna do this we're gonna do it the right way so like, i think she loves it because she gets to stay inside and nice air conditioning and i have to do it sometimes twice a week to keep the grass at the right level but yeah i think definitely my dad him and i have similar styles he likes those flowery tropical uh, plants as well so i think that's probably where i got it from uh, and moving here probably didn't help either because with Virginia Beach, the ocean front, the ocean's kind of like, yeah, it's not like Hawaii or, or even like Florida or anything, but they, they do try to like promote that tropical beach lifestyle here. So I think that kind of just compounded everything. So that's, that's, that's why I am the way I am. Does he give you any feedback on your, on your garden or your landscape? Oh yeah. He's, he, he loves the, uh, the front we did this year and it's great. Cause like I go to, the, to their place and I can kind of critique his lawn i'm like hey there's a there's a bald spot over there you're such just... a pain in the ass <laughs> <laughs> <And> you. <laughs> it's just payback you know i didn't do the lawn when i was when, correctly when i was nine so now as, as an adult so i'm gonna funny. go tell him <laughs> that is so funny you should take him to see your 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 palm tree that you moved from the front to the back you're like look at this i did this this is, this. This is it yep <laughs> That's funny because, yeah, that's what we all end up doing is turning into our our, our parents. Yeah, it's scary. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because my mom actually is opposite. So we, I grew up in North Florida. And so like all of Florida is a sandbar. And so especially where I live, like the, the, it's horrible to garden there because it's just sand everywhere. So she tries to live vicariously through me growing things. You know, she's always like, oh, what do you have right now in your garden? You know, so it's, yeah, it's different. Oh, We've never really had any grass. We just had sand growing up. And so thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us about landscaping and about your yard, because I'm so excited. I definitely want to get some, some pictures of the, of the landscape and of the, the flowers and of the garden and of the tree that I'm so excited to meet now. And so <laughs> are there any like different communities or resources that you would recommend, I guess, for everyone in general who want to learn more about landscaping, but for men in their 30s specifically, do you know of any like communities that are out there to kind of support you know, that specific uh, group of people and then any communities that are just out there in general, that's a good place to start with landscaping. Yeah, I'm not really too familiar with uh, any organizations or communities. Google has been my best friend. YouTube, watching videos. If I'm not sure about something, I usually go there first. And then actually my, my buddy who I, I worked with for a few years is also fantastic. So I kind of just bounce ideas off of him and we kind of go back and forth during the summer like, oh, this is what my lawn looks like. This is what his lawn looks like. And we just kind of share pictures over the summer. So it's cool to have that person to kind of bounce those things back off. I will say that uh, he tried to put a palm in his backyard and, and it died within a month. So uh, I just, every summer I'll just take a picture of, of my baby and like, hey, I guess you're still here. 
Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. You survived. So you said you don't really have any communities, but it seems like you have a community. You know, if it's a small community just between you and your friend, that's a community. I did have one other question that um we accidentally skipped earlier, but what feedback would you give to any new gardeners starting out? What would you say to somebody who is maybe like me, kills everything and <sighs> is easily discouraged? I just don't give up. It, it's it's so much trial and error. I'm not nowhere near perfect, but I'm also not as bad as I was five years ago. So you learn things as you go and like, you got to make mistakes to learn. So, I mean, you're going to make mistakes and yeah, you want to be successful at everything you do, but sometimes making those mistakes makes things better for your future because now you've learned how not to do something or how to do something better the next time. And it's, it's, you just, you gotta, you gotta keep going. If, if something doesn't work out, just keep going, keep going, keep going. Eventually you will get it. It, it does happen, but just if you give up after, you know, your first dead plant, it's just not going to be well. So yeah, I, I think that would be the most important thing. Do your research. I do a lot of reading before I decide to do anything because I want to like take in any type of scenario that might occur or like if something doesn't grow well in the clay or in the, in the extreme heat or just want to try to get all the scenarios covered so that nothing surprises me and then eventually something will surprise me but that's where you learn from it and that's what those experiences help you learn so gotcha that's great feedback thank you for that thank you thank you so much for talking to us and for Absolutely. spending some time with us and answering all of our questions we learned a lot from your experiences so thank you thanks for having me absolutely this has been the Seedy and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at Seedy and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening. <laughs>